My next guest, who will also be appearing at the Litfest, is Leon McCarran. Now, whilst you're sitting comfortably at 35,000 feet, zipping along at 500 miles an hour, Leon likes to take things rather more sedately. In fact, Leon likes to walk and cycle. He cycled 14,000 miles from New York to Hong Kong, walked the length of China, and ridden across Patagonia on horseback. His latest book recounts a recent journey a thousand miles on foot through the heartland of the Middle East. Leon, I hope you're not intending to walk to Dubai, because if you are, you're running late. <laughs> I don't think I'll make it, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you're looking forward to Dubai? Looking forward to the festival? I am, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a great delight to be there. And I've I've been to the city many times and always enjoyed it. But this will add a whole new dimension, I think, being able to, I guess, share this story and talk about some of the things I'm passionate about while there. Now, most people, when they want to go somewhere, they take a plane or a train. You like to walk. Uh, are, are they all missing out? I would not go as far as to say they're missing out because I think there is value to both ways of travel. And I certainly take planes and trains all the time. But I do think that the way in which we travel affects the experience that we have. And and so I often think how the world can seem to us to be a small place. We can have dinner on a different continent to the one in which we had breakfast, for example. Um, and it can make everything seem like uh, it's, you know, the other side of the world isn't that far away. But if you start to walk, suddenly the world expands and it changes your whole experience and you begin to have to notice the minutiae of every moment and, and you every element around you affects your experience. And so it's a much more immersive and deeper experience. So if you want to get somewhere quickly, take a plane. But if you want to really uh, make the most of every single second there, start walking. When did you get the walking bug? I've, I've never really been able to pin that down. I grew up in the countryside in Ireland, which was just a great delight of a place to grow up in because although it's very small, it's very wild. And so I was always like walking with my parents and enjoying the nature. Um, but it wasn't really until I was in my mid-20s that I started walking as a way of experiencing new places and as a way of both being part of and telling stories. Uh, and so I'd been on a long cycling journey. I'd, I'd been riding my bike for about a year and a half and I was appreciating the idea of slowing down slightly from driving a car. And the next obvious step was to see if walking made me even more open to things and more vulnerable and, and, and more interested in the world around me. Now, before we talk about your walk through the Middle East, just give us a rundown of some of your other previous expeditions so when I was 23, after I'd left university and, and saved up for a year, I set off on a bicycle out of New York City and headed west across the US. Some people ride their bikes across America in 10 or 12 days. And I was not a cyclist at this point. It took me three months. And it, at the time, it just felt like the most remarkable achievement because I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but it was such a life-changing journey to, to be so in control of my own movements and to see a new place and at that speed. Um, so that journey ended up lasting about uh, 18 months. It was 14,000 miles. I rode from New York all the way to Hong Kong with the exception of the great swathes of ocean in between. And that really set me off. After that, I walked across China from north to south, from the northern edge of the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, all the way down to Hong Kong, which was, again, 3,000 miles, 5,000 kilometers, something like that. Um, I've ridden a horse across Patagonia to follow the, the last free-flowing glacial river in Argentina, which is a bit of a mouthful, but a beautiful journey. And one of the most wonderful trips I did was... Uh, very, very simple, very ambitious, and just um, beautifully wild. It was walking 
from Salala in Oman through the fringes of the empty quarter desert, the Rabal Khali, up to Dubai in the footsteps of the British traveler Wilfred Thesiger, who did the same thing in the 1940s. So with a friend Alistair, we walked for six weeks, thousand miles, 1,600 kilometers through the desert and arrived very smelly and very tired into Dubai. Do you prefer being alone? Are you happy with your own company or, or is it nice to have a companion? I, I'm, I'm hesitant to be too hard on, on my own company uh, because it's all I've got, but I, I do get quite tired of it after a while. And, and I, I did a lot of traveling on my own when I was younger. So now I'm really grateful for a companion. But also, I suppose over the last decade, this has changed from something that I started to do experientially to something that I do because my goal is to find interesting or, or lesser heard stories and share them. And, and for that part of it, the storytelling part, having a companion to, to share that task is, is really very useful. And they help me see things in a new way. And, um, and it means I don't have to listen to my own jokes over and over and over again. This all sounds wonderful. And perhaps uh, people listening to us now think, gosh, what a lovely lifestyle. But is it sort of commercially viable? Can you make a living out of walking and writing a book? Well, that is the eternal question. And I mean, the, the answer is both yes and no. No, nobody ever really pays me to go for a walk. I, I wish that that were the case, but I've yet to crack that. Uh, but what does happen is I can make income. It has to be very diverse, but I can make a living through the sharing of those stories. So I, I write. I've written this book. I wrote one previously. I write for newspapers and magazines. Um, I make films and, and TV shows. I do radio productions. I give lots and lots of lectures all over the world. And all of those start to bring in trickles of income. And, and so it does turn into a job that way, but it has to be very diverse. It's, it's not particularly uh, reliable. Um, but it does mean I get to do what I love and and turn that into uh, something that I can share with people. Now, what was it about the challenge of walking from Jerusalem to, to Mount Sinai that stirred your soul? What, what was it that made you want to do it? Gosh, well, I mean, th this is a part of the world that's I think everybody knows. Uh, I mean, J Jerusalem is, is the the home of the three great Abrahamic faiths. It's this place that's rooted in so much of the culture of the world. Um, almost half of the population of the world ad adhere to uh, the faiths that are, are centered in that city. And it's a place that I grew up knowing well, at, at least culturally. Even in, in Northern Ireland, we, we knew the names of these places, Jerusalem, Jericho, Bethlehem, Nazareth. Um, and I just wondered, what is it like in, in a contemporary sense? But I know, of course, uh, that it is one of the most complex areas of the world, too. And, and so I wondered how those two things would marry up. And, and just on a very simple level, one of the questions I always ask myself is, is it possible for me with with all of the baggage I carry, my, my background and, and, and where I come from and, and the languages I speak and so on, is it possible for me to go here and simply walk and what will happen and how will people respond? Um and the Middle East in general, and particularly some of the areas uh, that I was walking through on this journey, they're very misunderstood. And, and, and all we generally hear is, is very negative perceptions uh, of um, conflict or, or of, of, of danger. And, and so I wanted to see if I would find something different if I approached it at a very human level. So the whole idea of the journey was to move away from the political element and just focus on human stories, walk through, talk to um, Palestinians in shops, walk 
through the hills with uh, Jordanian Bedouin shepherds and, and, and into the Sinai Desert and, and see what happened. Are you fairly self-sufficient when you go on these journeys? Uh, do you take everything you need with you or do you always try and arrive at your destination knowing there's a nice comfy bed and a ensuite shower? <laughs> no, uh, sad, sadly not. Um, yes, you have to be relatively self-sufficient, of course, and you, you have to be able to look after yourself. But but these journeys that I do, and particularly this one, just would not be possible without the the help of a lot of local friends and, and partners and guides and translators and so on along the way uh, that I'd arrange in advance, but also all of the people just at random who uh, who see me and, and look after me and, and, and point me in the right direction. So I, it becomes, by necessity, even in the more remote stretches, a very sociable journey. How much planning goes into one of your expeditions? When do you start and how much work is entailed? It's it's really it's a it's a how long is a piece of string question. In some ways, there's a beauty to just arriving somewhere and setting off, and it's quite a romantic notion of seeing what will happen. But in reality, it's I have something that I want to achieve. I want to really get under the skin of a place and 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 hear some stories. So I I do plan quite far in advance. This journey was maybe six months of of planning of of finding people in each place that I knew I could meet, things I wanted to see. Um, but I would never go as far as to plan a day-by-day itinerary. The beauty of walking is you you start when you feel like it, you you sleep under a tree in the middle of the day when it gets hot, and, and you finish at a place where it seems nice to lay down your head. Um, so I knew that perhaps I wanted to get from Jerusalem to a man in Jordan within a month or six weeks or something. But, but in between that, it was very freeform. The book is packed with stories, packed with anecdotes, people you've met, and you record these in in great detail. Have you just got a fantastic memory, or do you actually take a little audio recorder with you and take notes as you go? What's the mechanics of writing a book like this? It's it's something that I've learned from experience, and I, I remember very distinctly when I went on my first journey cycling across America. Um, I, I'd never really planned to write a book about that, but I did keep a diary, and I, I met the most wonderful people and had the most wonderful conversations. And, and I did decide to write a book about it afterwards. And I came back to my very early diaries and I, I'd written things like, uh, you know, cycled across this part of Iowa today, met a lovely man at the gas station and had a really wonderful conversation, uh, very life-affirming. And then I cycled on. And I, I looked back at that and thought, well, what was the conversation about? I've got absolutely no idea a couple of years on. So... Um, when I came to write the book, it was very hard to, to try and put all that together. So now I, the mechanics are really quite detailed. I carry audio recorders and, and make sure if I'm, I'm speaking to someone at length, that's always on. I have a notebook. I note down, jot down the key details and how I reference that to the audio recorder. I sometimes I take pictures. I have my camera takes video as well, so I can also set that up. Um, and then at the end of each day, I, I, I collate all of my notes and, and create a sort of timeline for the journey, which means when I come back to put it all together, um, it, it, it sort of makes sense. And then I start going into the research and the contextual depth and everything else to build around. So you have to be quite disciplined and, and, and really check everything out at the end of each day. Yeah, I, th- I think you do. I mean, everyone's got their own methodology to it, but certainly for me, that's the only way to have it make sense because the fantastic thing about journeys like this is that there's so much that happens. And I can go through a day in London where I live, um, I can go through a week in London and, and really not be able to distinguish between the days. They all sort of blend into one. But on a journey like this, every moment is memorable. And the only way to to really start to split those apart and see what was important or not is to be very disciplined. 
what's what's next for you? Are you planning anything at the moment? Yeah, I've 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 got a lot in the pipeline. I, there's always more walking journeys. Um, there's a few things that I'm working on. I I, I made a TV show following a, an Irish explorer and diplomat, and uh, so we'll we'll be exploring some more of his journeys as well. But also there's some projects in Central America that I'm very interested in, and and there's there's a lot more to do in the Middle East. So I I hope that this year there'll be at least one or two long walking journeys. Well, Liam McCarran, thank you so much for joining us here today on this Emirates flight. Great chatting to you. And uh, wherever your travels take you next, I hope you'll come back and discuss them here on Emirates World. Thank you. Great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.